We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, friends. Are you are you okay this week? Am, am I okay? I never get headaches. And for two days in a row, I've had headaches. And I seriously think it is all of these crazy headlines that are happening at warp speed. Literally making my head spin, okay? It's so much anxiety with everything that's happening. I I feel like we should do some breathing exercise. I, I think I've told you I, I, I have anxiety. I deal with anxiety. I've had, I've sent myself to the hospital uh, because of my anxiety a few times. I mean, twice I've taken myself in an Uber to the hospital in Brooklyn. Once I went in an ambulance because I was, you know, in uh, Niagara upstate in the woods. And so an ambulance had to come get me. I didn't have a car. But you know the worst part about, you know, sending yourself to the hospital in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. in New York City? When you're, well, when you're a Black woman and you show up to the hospitals, you know, saying you think you're having a panic attack, they just, and you show up in your pajamas, right? Because you've just walked out of the house as is. They think that you're a crackhead. They think that you're just somebody who is either looking for drugs. And so they start asking weird questions. And I'm like, um, excuse me, I have I have a PPO. I work a desk job. This is why I'm having panic attacks. My boss is literally killing me. <laughs> no, but I, I do get panic attacks sometimes. So I'm like, this is one of those weeks... I've had to do some breathing exercises. I've taught myself breathing exercises. One is like where I just like breathe in through my nose for like six beats and then like breathe out. making. I don't know what the sound. You're supposed to do a sound and breathe out for like seven counts. I do that a few times. That helps. Another thing I learned was when you are doing the breathing exercises, you know, if you're sitting in a room, looking into the corners of the ceiling and just darting your eyes back and forth between the corners of the ceiling. I guess it's supposed to ground you, maybe just center you in this room. I've had to do a lot of breathing exercises this week. I I woke up, this week was weird because I woke up one morning and I thought I had a late onset high. And I need to know if this has ever happened to anyone else because it actually started happening to me, or the first time it happened to me really was during the pandemic, during lockdown. I, um, you know, what's interesting about, I read about the pandemic and lockdown is that people with anxiety actually fared really well during lockdown because I guess, I guess like to summarize, people with anxiety sort of live in this state of, you know, constant dread, doom, and the pandemic was, all it was, was dread and doom. So it was almost like our, our, not a safe space, but it was where we were used to being. Because I didn't have any panic attacks during lockdown, which was really interesting. And I stopped doing cannabis a long time ago because of my anxiety. It was actually giving me really bad anxiety. But during the pandemic, since everything was free, I was like, you know, I want to like dabble in edibles again. I, I miss it, right? And so the first time this sort of late, onset high ever happened was during lockdown. It was, you know, I'd taken edibles and I went to sleep. And then the next morning got up to go number two to poop, you know, as as one regular who is regular does. And when I pooped, it was like it activated the high. I was high again. And That just had happened once. I'd be like, okay, but it happened twice. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know if that's ever happened to anyone. Like when, you know, I don't know if it's something in the digestive tract 
with the edible coming through that just like reactivated something. I don't know. But this week I, you know, I was had that feeling where I woke up one morning and I was like, my experience a late set high because it's it's weird. And I just think it's more, there's just a weird atmosphere happening this week. So many, so many things to talk about. We'll get into one thing I want to talk about this week. Uh, I finally got to watch the movie Bros, that Billy Eichner film. It was everyone's. It's bo- it bombed at the box office. Basically, it bombed at the box office. It was a. It is a gay rom com, and you know Billy tweeted. He blamed it on the homophobes. And it led to a lot of, you know, people making TikToks and videos. And anyways, I got to watch it. I want to review it, I you know, because it was a good movie. And I want to talk about why, you know, why I think it didn't do well. Um, and just my honest thoughts about the film. I also want to talk about Love is Blind on Netflix. That was a series I really, really loved. First season was amazing. Second season, I was a little iffy about. Now third season has come out and I don't know. I'm almost wondering if it was, it should have just been like a one season wonder. And I also talk about like, I realized as I was watching season three, I feel like I would have the perfect plan if I was on the show. So I do want to talk about that. And I said I would respond to DMs. I want to respond to DMs as often as I can. And I want to respond to a DM from a follower. It's um, It was in regards to this Kanye West situation uh, and then more to do with this Amanda Seals. If you know Amanda Seals, she's an actress, a comedian. And a post she had made that I had reposted that someone had DM me about. So... Uh, I'll share my thoughts on that and we will get into that. But first, we need to talk about what are we kikiing about this week and what made the Hall of Shame. I think I introduced the Hall of Shame for the first time last week. We didn't get into too much about what we were kicking about because the Hall of Shame, our first inductee, only inductee so far, Yay, formerly known as Kanye West. He is clearly living up to that title. We'll get into that a little more. But what are we kicking about? Well, first, I want to kiki about Taylor Swift's new album. I didn't think I was a Swiftie, you guys. I did not. I didn't know I don't think I knew I was a Swifty. I, I still don't know because I don't know if there's uh, certain requirements it takes. Swifties have a lot of knowledge that I don't have. I'm very new to this. To be honest, I actually got really into learning more about Taylor after I watched her, I think the documentary, I don't know if it was considered a biography documentary on Netflix. What was it like? Miss Americana, something like that. And that was the first time I started learning about Taylor. And it was just pretty cool. And when I heard about the dispute that she had that went down with Scooter Braun, where essentially Scooter had bought the rights to all of her music. And, you know, she said she was trying to get it back. She couldn't get it back. And so what she decided to do was just re-record every single song in that book that he owned and re-release it with the same name, but with Taylor's version. And, you know, after that, I was like, she's kick-ass. How can I not appreciate it? How can I not support a woman who is going to devote all of that time to re-recording just so she can own her own music. I mean, that's pretty badass. And then this new album comes out. Again, I'm not, I didn't know I was a Swifty. I don't, you know, so I didn't know really much about the album coming out. It's called Midnights. And the Swifties know so much about it. They know that if you if you get it on vinyl and you put all, there, it comes in different colors, right? There's like a blood moon, there's a 
like a maroon, blue. There's all these different colors. Jade, I think. And if you get like all of the albums together, it makes a clock. <laughs> so people were running out, getting the uh, vinyl. And I think it, with the CDs, the CDs too, I think if you get all four CDs, it also makes a clock, probably just a smaller clock because it's a CD. Anyways, the album comes out. It comes out at midnight, of course, uh, a couple days ago. I'm up. I'm like, let me listen to this. Oh, man, I am into this album. I really, really like this album a lot. It made me so nostalgic for, because the lyrics were just so good. I, I wanted to be reading the lyrics in an actual booklet as I was listening to the album. Super, it, it got me into that 90s mode. And so I started talking about how, you know, on my Instagram stories, I was talking about how I just wish I had a, a CD lyric booklet. And they're like, all the Swifties, you know, go into my DMs. Well, you can. I'm like, what do you mean? You can get the CD. I'm looking up, I'm online looking up CDs. I'm almost buying CDs. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to play this on? I can't play this on a CD. And then until someone else reminded me, like, don't you know someone with an older car? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I'm someone with an older car. <laughs> I didn't, this whole time, I didn't realize I have a CD player in my car. I had no clue. I had no clue. But then I was like, well, what am I going to do? Go buy a CD and have this one CD in my car? That's just weird. I'll just listen to it. But I I would, I would think they should just sell lyric booklets. It, it, they were all, always so fun to just like be reading as you're listening to, the, to an album and just like absorbing and like memorizing every word. It's so fun. So I think artists should just sell... CD booklets. It would be so cool. So maybe I'm a Swifty. I don't know. But we're all kicking about Taylor's new album. It, it broke records. <laughs> I think she broke her own record on Spotify for like a single day streaming. Swifties are serious and they know they know all the they're also breaking down all the lyrics. I don't, I can't get into all that. I don't know all of the secrets. Like, what does this lyric mean? Some people were saying, like, oh, this lyric sounds like she had a miscarriage because they're talking about a love that she never got to meet. And that means she must have a marriage. And I don't know. These are all things that are theories that people are making up. I don't know what truth are to any of them. I don't think that anybody does, right? But I guess that's part of the. Taylor Swift world is you just get to decode all of these things and it's fun. I don't know. I don't know if I'll reach that level. We'll see. Another thing we're kicking about, McDonald's. They just announced there is a farewell tour for the McRib. The McRib, y'all. I Look, you might judge me for this, but I love the McRib. I Love the McRib. The very first time I had one, I just thought it was the greatest thing. And yes, I know it's a bunch of weird processed parts that we don't even know. I don't go to McDonald's for the health, <laughs> to be healthy. I know there are weird things, but the McRib, it, 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 it has my heart. And, you know, when they took it away, devastated, then they started reintroducing it. And I, and I loved that because it's like a limited thing you can get. And I was always like, because then I just end up eating it like almost every day because I'm like, there's only so many days that we can have it. I have to have it all the time. And I, you know, so they're doing this, McDonald's says they're doing this farewell tour. This might be the last time we get a bite. Uh, I, you know, part of me thinks this is probably a marketing ploy because, you know, we saw... Obviously, with Taco Bell, the Mexican pizza has returned. People are really excited about that. They've done a farewell tour before because I was actually looking at, at the Wikipedia. They did a farewell tour, I believe, in 2005, which is when it like kind of went into retirement. And then after that, it would, you know, get reintroduced, you know, for at, at limited times, intermittently. Seems like kind of every year we would get a McRib time that would happen. But if this is the the final farewell, I, I I mean I will be sad because the McRib, it's a classic. I was reading about the history. It was actually invented. I didn't realize it was invented so long ago. It was invented in 1981. 
I didn't realize it was that long ago. And it said it was invented, it was developed by McDonald's first executive chef, Rene Arend, who is a native of Luxembourg and who invented the chicken nuggets in 79. So the, the guy who invented the chicken nuggets also invented the McRib. They said it was it's it's like really popular in Germany and Luxembourg, and that's where it's a permanent item. So I guess if I want to have the McRib all the time, I have to go to uh, Germany and Luxembourg. Yeah, the McRib. It's uh, it might be a farewell tour. It's supposed to be October thirty first through November twentieth. Might be the last time we see the McRib. If so, I mean, I will. I'll be sad. I will be. Really, really sad. Speaking of fast food, another thing we are kicking about, the Kardashians, well, specifically Kim Kardashian's birthday. She had a birthday and um, she was posting, you know, all of the updates on her stories. She was flying in Kylie's private jet, her and a bunch of girls, and they were all flying to Vegas and they were going to go see the Usher concert. And they were supposed to have dinner. I think it was like at Nobu. They were going to have they had this whole dinner planned out. Anyways, you know, Kim's posting on the jet. And then I guess the winds were too high. The jet has to turn around back to LA. And they land. And they end up at In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> because obviously nobody's eating food. Can you imagine being in that In-N-Out Burger? And you're just sitting there. And all of a sudden, Kim Kardashian and like 11 of her friends and a camera crew walks in. Because, you know, they're still fil- they're filming for the next season of the Kardashians. Her friend Lala had actually was flying in secretly to meet her for her birthday. So she ended up going to the concert without her. So that happened. And, uh, the Car- you know, the Kardashians, you know, were kicking about them. But also they are... Uh, very much in the Hall of Shame, too, because, well, you know, people were upset that Kim had gone to dinner with Ivanka Trump. You know, they were seen leaving the polo lounge, which is, you know, it's kind of where you go to be seen. They had like a three-hour dinner. No idea what they could be talking about and no idea why they would even be going to dinner. I don't know. I mean, I... People were very upset about it. I was just more kind of like, I I want to understand why they're even hanging out. That just seems like, how would that happen? Like, Ivanka isn't, she's not even in the White House anymore. You know, I know Kim was doing criminal reform. I guess I could understand why they were having dinner, if she was still had any sort of power. But shortly after that dinner was when Kim released the statement on her IG stories condemning Yay's anti-Semitic comments. Um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Yay was the first and only inductee into my Hall of Shame. I mean, that was a couple weeks ago. It's painful to watch. I'll say it's painful to watch at this point. And 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 things are changing so fast. By the time you hear this, even more has happened. But what we've learned as of today is he has uh, been terminated. His partnerships with Adidas, with Gap, with Balenciaga, with Vogue. We, you know, we also heard, you know, supposedly JP Morgan, you know, asset closed his account. That sounded like it happened a little before all of this. MRC Productions, they had done a documentary which had already been filmed. They decided to shelve it. CAA, his talent agent, they dropped him as a client. And uh, apparently after Adidas terminated, he went from the three comma club to the two comma club, meaning dropped from billionaire status. I think he was, Forbes had uh, estimated his net worth at $1.3 billion. He is now worth $440 million. Forbes came out about an hour after Adidas terminated the relationship to say he's no longer on their billionaires list. Now, Kanye has always argued he's worth more, you know, he says he's worth over 3 billion, you know, he's he's worth several billions. So he never prescribed to Forbes's 1 billionaire, you know, net worth anyways. But you know, here's what I will say. Cuz what that leads me to is another inductee into the Hall of Shame 
is our U.S. government because midterms are coming November 8th. And if you haven't registered to vote, I will include a link in the show notes so that you can do that. Everyone needs to vote in these midterms. And I read a headline today that said, most candidates who think the 2020 election was rigged are probably going to win in November. And all I'm saying to this is, it's insane to me that we can cancel yay in a matter of days, as as we should. Like, we can cancel him in a matter of days. But, like, what? Donald Trump hasn't even still answered for trying to overturn the U.S. government and the people who were complicit in this were may still be in in the government like win winning positions i'm just saying we need to keep the same energy for everyone so i'm sorry us government you are in the hall of shame this week absolutely you know on a lighter note you know who else is going to be in the hall of shame this week giselle and mia from real housewives of potomac <laughs> because i'm sorry they were just wrong. If you watch the uh, most recent episode of Real Housewives of Potomac, then you have seen that they are really trying to make Candace's husband look like he is shady. And I'm sorry. I've been a a non-Candace fan for a while. I think I've told you the story. I've so showed you the TikToks of uh, Candace calling me uh, a troll. <laughs> I laugh at it now because it's so ridiculous, especially since I, I didn't even do anything uh, that warranted being crawling a troll, but she called me a troll in my DMs. And so I've never, I haven't been a Candace fan, but I was absolutely taking Candace's side this week after Real Housewives of Potomac because, you know, her husband is a chef. It looks like he's taken a position at the W Hotel where they live. And so he's been working that position and obviously trying to get people to come in. You know, that's how you, you know, get sales up, you know, get get cool, fun, you know, Bravo Lebs. You know, we're breaking the fourth wall. He's saying, you know, I want you guys to come in to the W. Well, all of a sudden, this turned into Ashley bringing this up saying, you know, Chris DM me, saying, why don't you come to the W? And Robin's like, well, he works at the W. He was responding to your story. You were out, you were posting in your stories, and he was just kind of like, oh, should have come to the W. It wasn't like he slid into your DMs like, hey, meet me at the hotel. And she was kind of like, oh, oh, oh. But then Giselle and Mia pile on. And Giselle starts talking about something that happened last season when Chris was like, hey, let's talk and, you know, let's go to your room and let's like, you know, like talk about it. And she said she felt uncomfortable because her glam team had left. And here she was in this hotel room with this married man and there's nobody around. And what does that look like? And he's just like, what? And then Mia chimes in talking about how at the the party that Karen threw, that Chris... <laughs> was just staring at her the whole time. And look, I've never, I love shady editors. I love a shady Bravo editor. I mean, the Bravo editors, while she's telling the story about how Chris can't stop staring at her, won't stop staring at her, keeps inserting cuts from the party of Chris literally looking the opposite way of Mia the entire party, not staring at her at all. And, uh, you know, Giselle and Mia, Come on, just fake storylines. I know that Housewives has become like WWE, just like fake wrestling, but just making up these really wild storylines that nobody believes at all. The audience doesn't believe. It's just not fun for us. Like we like drama that is exaggerated, of course, but make it real and don't try to like throw some Patty's husband under the bus who's been nothing but kind. Come on. So Giselle and Mia, you absolutely get inducted into the Hall of Shame. 
your land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Let's get into the movie Bros. I'm excited to talk about Billy Eichner. He co-wrote and starred in this movie. It was, it's a Judd Apatow movie. You know, Judd Apatow has made the careers of so many comedians. And it is a big budget Hollywood studio-backed rom-com featuring an entirely LGBTQ cast. It was a $22 million budget. But unfortunately, opening weekend, they only pulled in about $4.8 million opening weekend, which is ugh, not really, really good. So Billy, he was upset. Obviously, if you have a project, doesn't work out, you know, you get upset. And anyone who has been following Billy Eichner, then you know Billy on the street. He has he's a very brash personality, right? Like very abrasive, loud, brash, you know. And he, and he says it like it is. And I think some people really appreciate that. And I think some people, I think some, for some people, it's, you know, a turnoff. So Billy tweeted, that's just the world we live in, unfortunately. Even with the glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomato scores, an A cinema score, et cetera, straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's disappointing, but it is what it is. He goes on, he said, everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. You will have a blast. And it is special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity often. I love this movie so much. Go bros. So after that tweet, it really, I think it angered a lot of people because they're just like, oh, just because I didn't see your movie, I'm now homophobic, which it is a fair criticism because I too did not go to see bros opening weekend. I I feel like it hadn't been marketed to me. I don't know. Like, I didn't see a whole bunch about it. And then when I had learned about it, I had already had plans that weekend to see Don't Worry, Darling. Because let's be real. Don't Worry, Darling. It, it, I don't think it was planned marketing. All of that drama that was happening around it and, and still continues to happen around with Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis and all of that. But... It got a lot of marketing and I was kind of already interested in seeing it. And then I really wanted to see it. So I went and saw Don't Worry Darling uh, that opening weekend. And I did feel bad because I did want to, I would have wanted to see both. But let's, you know, look at this also. And as a lot of people said, it's October. So many... Really good horror movies coming out. I'm I love horror movies, and during you know Halloween season, it's just kind of what you want to see. On top of it, I've never been into rom coms. I I it's never been my genre. You have to sort of drag me if you want me to see. I've I to this day I still have never seen Sleepless in Seattle. I've never seen You've Got Mail. I've never seen The Notebook. I don't think that's a rom com, but I'm just saying. When it comes to love, it's just not the genre that I'm typically looking. There's so many movies I have not seen. So that's why I hadn't seen it. You know, if you go on TikTok, people have their own reasons. They said that because the character in the film is very much like Billy on the street. It, it it's, it's kind of the same. And some people were saying, you know, I don't, I don't like that personality. I don't like his personality. And that alone is enough to just like make me not want to see the film. Whatever the reason is, I was kind of like, I hope it comes to streaming soon because I was kind of like, it should have been released in February around Valentine's Day. Maybe more people would have gone. 
And maybe they'll release the streaming. But I was like, I kind of think they need to release the streaming sooner. And they did. They released it. So I saw it this week. And it's really good. It has really good Rotten Tomato scores. And I, and I so I always already knew it was going to be fun. I love anything that, you know, Judd Apatow produces. I typically love. And it's a really good film. It's about, you know, Eichner plays this uh, character, Bobby, who is a New Yorker, is a podcaster, and also is a director of what's going to be the first national LGBTQ history museum. And it's about to open. And so that's really the backdrop. He meets this guy, Aaron, at a club who's conventionally super hot, you know, white gay guy. And it just follows sort of like this, like how they have this emotionally unavailable relationship, but together. And it was so relatable even if you're not a gay man, there were so many things that were relatable, but it was also just if you have, you know, gay friends and you've talked to them about their relationships, funny to see it sort of play out on screen. It makes you laugh out loud. I think I think it was super funny. But what I wanted to share was it was this tweet that my friend had actually sent to me before, which is what made me decide, like, you know, I really want to go see this. Now, of course, I wish I had seen it in the theaters, but it came out streaming and I wanted to make sure I supported it in any way. And I just felt like this tweet, I feel like so many people should hear it because it's so important on why, even if you're not into rom-coms and all of that, why you should support this film. This was a tweet from Guy Branham. How many? It's a little bit long, but I'll, you know, I'll read, I'll read through it. He says, in talking about how cruelly Billy Eichner, white cis, rich, hot or not enough to be a movie star, depending on who's tweeting, demanded the queer community support his movie, a thing that is rarely mentioned is the rest of the cast. When Nicholas Stoller and Judd Apatow gave Billy the chance to write and star in this film, they were working from an established game plan Judd had used to help build the careers of Amy Schumer, Kumalin, Seth Rogen, and others in making films like Trainwreck or The Big Sick. Newer comic voices were surrounded by established famous movie stars like Holly Hunter, Marissa Tomei, and Tilda Swinton. But Billy asked for his movie to not surround him with famous movie stars, but with LGBTQ plus performers. Because of discrimination, there aren't many LGBTQ plus actors with box office draw. In casting the romantic lead of the movie, he could have asked Chris Evans, but instead he went with a guy who came out in 2008 and got stuck making Hallmark movies for 20 years. And yes, Luke is white and masked and cis and hot, but the gay male community has spent so much time fetishizing these things that half of Queerty's articles are just lists of torsos. Billy knew he had to draw attention to what makes money, and Luke is a gifted actor who draws attention. As for the rest of the cast, Billy and Nick work so hard to find veterans like Guillermo, who works constantly but rarely gets to play gay or stage actors like Becca Blackwell, who doesn't get many movies because Ellie has no idea what to do with bearded, non-binary, the D word for lesbians. I won't say it. It's not my right. He found Alien Reese, who was just doing her Kamala impression online and pulled her into the mechs. He fell in love with T.S. Madison through her vines and helped continue her burgeoning acting career. Billy took a risk convincing the straight guys and corporation to cast queer people without extensive resumes or BO draw like me in this movie. So when you pat yourself on the back for resisting the tokenizing, condescending marketing for the film, also acknowledge that Billy Eichner held the door open for a lot of other diverse queer people. And this movie, doing poorly at the box office, limits the opportunities which will be in our future. Yes, streaming is a safer place for romantic comedies and queer stories, but that's because streaming services get to decide how to allocate their resources for a diverse slate of programming. Getting lots of views is great, but until we can show Hollywood that stories by us, about us, are a way of directly generating money, we will not have the opportunities or control over our own stories that straight cis people have always enjoyed. And then 
the end is Bro's movie is still in theaters. Go, not because you're obliged to, not because Billy Eichner was in GQ magazine, not because if we don't, the homophobes win. Go because Eve Lindley is the funniest fucking person in America. I just thought that was just like a really, you know, good summary of why why you want to support that movie. You know, everyone in the lead is part of the LGBTQ community. And look, could they have used, you know, a few more acting classes? Some of them, absolutely. And that's why get as much practice as they can, right? I thought it was a really good movie. It sucks that it did not do well at the box office, but you know, we can make it up in streaming and I think everyone should go see it. I thought it was a really good movie. I understand why people have resistance to Billy Eichner because I think it's, you know, his personality type isn't for everyone. And I think, you know, especially calling people, you know, homophobic weirdos because they didn't see a movie opening weekend will absolutely turn people off, right? But... You still should support. So more of these kind of movies can get made because I think it's like super important, right? Speaking of love, love is blind. I, this is a show I, I truly do love. I really do love the concept. Now, do I think it's still doesn't push it far enough. Absolutely. Because in my version of Love is Blind, oh, Love would be way blind. Everyone on Love is Blind is still hot. (laughs) Which, it completely goes against what Love is Blind is supposed to be about, right? And to Shake's point, who was on season two, it just adds to this idea of like, well, you're not you're not gonna fall in love with people you're not attracted to. And I wanna see if that's possible. Like I wanna see people that aren't quote conventionally attractive in these pods, but we're never gonna get that, right? But season three, I just feel like this new season that came out, because season one was great. Season one was just you didn't they didn't know what to expect they didn't know what to do it was just it was it was a really perfect season season 2 questionable i enjoyed it i still enjoyed it questionable but i enjoyed it season 3 i was already rolling my eyes because already in the pods it's not even the men this time it's the women too who are making sure they get across just how hot and skinny they are from the jump. Like, you know, the guy will just be like, oh, so like, what do you do? I'm a Pilates instructor. I'm a ballet dancer. And it's like, okay, we get it. You're super fit. You're super thin. Okay. And I just like already that sort of turned me off. On top of the fact is like, I'm already... You can tell already the people that, you know, because some of them have now met up. They've met up because they released the first three episodes. By the time this, by the time this podcast comes out, they'll have, I think, another three episodes out. Now they're at the phase where they've met and they're seeing the other people. And you can already just tell, like, who is, like, faking the relationships, who isn't. And... I'm just not feeling it the same way I'm feeling I was feeling season one. But I had this thought too. If because what you what you're seeing when the people get and they meet each other in real life and you know they have to stay in the same room, but they don't necessarily want to hook up with each other because they're realizing I'm not attracted to this person. They're making sort of all sorts of excuses of like, oh, like, you know, I'm a prude or I, you know, I just, uh, I'm really weird with intimacy when it's like, no, you just don't like this person and you're trying to uh, extend your time on the show instead of just walking away. But here's what I think. I feel like if I was on Love is Blind, I would just from the jump say I was a virgin because I feel like if you say you're a virgin, it's a win-win. Because if you meet the person, 
and you're not attracted to them. When you don't sleep with them, it's not weird because you're a virgin, right? If you are attracted to them, well then, if they think they have deflowered you, all of a sudden, like... (laughs) You know, I just feel like it's a win-win. So I think that if, not that I'm ever going to go on Love is Blind, but I think if I did, I think I would say I was a virgin because I don't see any downside to that other than, you know, a guy who, you know, realizes he thinks he's not going to get any once we once we get together and he has to wait till marriage but the the whole the whole process is only like 6 weeks they're in the pods for 10 days and then i think they live together for what 6 weeks 4 weeks 6 weeks and then they get married so if you have to hold out if you even if you think you have to hold out big deal i think it's a win win and it just seems like these people are really going on anyways just to uh, get famous so yeah I mean, if I have to just pretend I'm a virgin to not sleep with you just so we can get married and get a few brand deals, I don't know. I feel like that's where it's that's where it's headed. I feel like that's where it's headed. I don't know how many more good seasons we can get out of Love is Blind because it just feels like everybody's in on it. And once everybody's in on it, it's not as fun. Just not as fun. Uh, anyways, I want to get to a DM. This this goes back to the Kanye thing. I think I mentioned this. I think it was in two weeks ago when I yeah when I put uh, Yay and in, inducted Yay into the Hall of Shame. I talked about how. All of this, it needs to happen. I was a bit disappointed that it didn't happen sooner because a lot of the anti-Black statements that Kanye had been making were just as damaging to the Black community. But it just seems like we're so anti-blackness is so ingrained in you unite you know us culture that it, it, we just kept doing business as usual we didn't say anything it was like even from the time when you know kanye was saying slavery was a choice we just nobody batted an eye he didn't lose any brand deals he continued to make more money saying these things um and i was just saying how i was disappointed that it just like didn't happen sooner so The other day, Amanda Seals, who is an actress, a comedian who I love, she was responding on her Instagram stories to a comment someone had tagged her in. And I won't mention the person because I don't, you know, my goal isn't to like shame them in any way. But commenter had said, Amanda Seals also believes we shouldn't defend Jewish people. Why don't people realize the only way we destroy white supremacy is together? So Amanda addressed it because she was like, that's absolutely not true. I absolutely believe that the Jewish community and the Black community should be working together. And I've always thought that. And essentially the point of her video was, you know, if you believe that we should be working together white for supremacy. You should have already been thinking that. You should have been supporting these battles cry back when Kanye was saying slavery was a choice, back when he was saying Black Lives Matter was a scam, that sort of thing. So that was that was her point. And I think it was really eloquent the way she put it. Because that's the thing about Kanye that I hate about all of this is he's making us so divisive when it doesn't need to be. And it's um, it's painful. It's painful to watch. Anyway, so I get a DM from a follower who asked me, because I reposted Amanda's video and I just said like this because I agreed with everything she was saying in the video. And she was asking if I would 
consider taking down my repost. And I like really struggled with this because, uh, you know, I obviously don't want to send this person any more hate, but I also, I don't, like when someone is saying something I believe in, I also want to support them. And I really did believe in what Amanda was saying. So I really struggled with this and I went back and forth. I ended up not taking it down. But if that person who reached out to me is listening, I want to explain why I left that reel up. You know, after talking with several people, Black and Jewish people, about it, because I really did struggle with this. I decided not to because of this. Now, the person also sent me an additional comment from that person that was clarifying why they said that to Amanda. And they said it was because Amanda had said yes to this other comment about how this is also when Jewish people don't take a stance when it comes to anti-Blackness. And Amanda said yes. And the person read that as Amanda saying, like, so we shouldn't stand up for Jewish people. And I will say, I think that's where the mistake was made. Because if she felt that way, if she felt that when she read that from Amanda, that's what she was getting, she should have DM'd Amanda or she should have tagged Amanda and asked her to clarify that statement and say, and asked her, this is how I'm reading this. Is this what you're saying? Instead, she accused Amanda. And I and so it was Amanda's right to defend herself. And ultimately, I think, again, all of this makes us so divisive. And I hate that it's come to this. But... All of it's sad. All of it's sad. It's sad. I'm not enjoying watching what's happening to Kanye. He absolutely is deserving everything that's happening to him. So don't get that twisted. I'm not enjoying it. Shouldn't fraud. It's when you revel in someone's misery, like they're, you know, in the happiness of their downfall. Shouldn't fraud. I'm not enjoying this because Kanye is someone whose talents I very much enjoyed for a long period of time. I also think he's somebody that needs help. I think he is dealing with a lot of mental health issues. No excuses, but I think that's the reality. So I don't enjoy it at all because I I really hope for him, for his children especially, that he gets help. And I hate that it's like made this weird divisive culture happen between Black people and Jewish people, which I think I see happening. And I want that to sort of, I want us to come together because I feel like if not, it's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. So to the person who DM'd me, I understand where you were coming from. I hope you understand where I was coming from and why I decided to leave that up. And um, I appreciate that, you know, we can have conversations in my DMs that are respectful. You know, again, I, I, I... I may not read all my DMs, but I try I try to, and I try to respond to them in the best way I can. And of course, I want to try to use this podcast to, to respond to bigger ones and ones that I want to uh, reach more people than just in my stories. So um, I hope that suffices as an answer. I know it wasn't maybe the answer you were hoping for, but yeah. DMs. I think that in the future, there might be, you know, the, the angry DMs. This wasn't really an angry DM. I was this the DM section was most to actually respond to angry DMs I get. 
that wasn't an angry DM. So I didn't I didn't want it to get twisted in that that this was an angry DM section. Normally I'm gonna respond to maybe some angry DMs that people send me. Cause I get those too. I get the, I got I well, I got one today. Someone I think someone was angry, angry with me. I think for trying to I think it was about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I think it was about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Kathy Hilton and all of that. But we can get into that later too because <laughs> this week on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, it's the final it's the final episode of the reunion. And again, by the time this podcast airs, it will have come out and Erica Jane is confronting Kathy Hilton about the alleged slurs homophobic slurs that she used on the trip. So we will absolutely discuss this because again, I would like to, if I had a screener and I could have watched it before I recorded this episode, I could have talked about it, but I don't have screeners yet. Hopefully one day I'll become important enough that I get them. But on my uh, Friday bagel, my bagel Friday lives, we will absolutely talk about what happens in that. So make sure that you're following me on IG at The Talk of Shame every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific. We do a Bagel Friday Lives where we just, we just kiki about it. And until next time, a little word of advice about three things you should never leave the house without. Lip balm, eye drops, and something to write with. This has been another episode of Kiki with the Talk of Shame. I'm your host, Kiki Monique. This is a Red Rock music podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever it is you're listening and follow me on social so you don't miss any of the tea between episodes at The Talk of Shame on Instagram and TikTok. And until next time, let's kiki about it.